0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the podcast, Three Sides, with me, Aaron McLeod, where we will talk about all things that fall under the umbrellas of high performance, passion, and equality. So today's episode, we are going to dive a little bit more into mindfulness, a little bit of the history of it, and stress. Last time, we were so fortunate to sit down with Dr. Rachel Linval, and she kind of went over the definitions of mindfulness, how it's impacted her life how language is important, positive thinking, noting the art of noting objectivity. And she also dove into the attention box and talked a little bit about stress. So stress is this thing we hear all the time. It's thrown around. And a lot of times when you hear people talk about mindfulness, it's because they have a lot of stress. So what do you do for your stress? I practice mindfulness. They kind of go hand in hand as of late. So First, I want to talk about stress because when we hear that word, it's like a trigger word, We're kind of like, oh my God, stress is the worst thing in the world. But really stress is just a physiological response. You know, we have a hormonal response to a situation that could be threatening. So you see a tiger in the distance, you either going to run for your life or go ahead and fight that tiger, you know, fight or flight response as we most commonly hear it as. Your heart starts palpitating, you're breathing heavy, you start getting clammy hands, you start sweating, your muscles tighten and you're ready for action. Now stress is always real time. You see something, oh my gosh, you have a response. Anxiety on the other hand is kind of like, it's not actually something that's happening Right now, it's the thought of something happening. So, you may remember last time we talked a little bit about the attention box with Dr. Rachel Lindvall. So, she mentioned the average human being only spends about 10%, 10% in the present moment. So, 30% of the time our thoughts are about the past, and 60% of the time our thoughts are about the future. When I first heard that, I thought that's crazy, but also, yeah, I think that's true because especially in sport for me, I was thinking about the mistakes I had made constantly, or I was nervous about screwing up. And those thoughts kept me totally out of the present moment. They made me more tense. The tension stayed uh, because the thoughts stayed. So it wasn't exactly, I would say, the healthiest way to approach sport. I think once I became aware of this process, uh, it changed everything for me. Now, first of all, we're not in control of our thoughts. And when I heard this, you know, there's that quote that used to go around, you are what you think. (laughs) And I, I know that's not true. We cannot control all of the thoughts that go in and out of our brain, but we can control our attention. So Dr. Rachel Linval talked a lot about noting last time. And I think that's really, really important. That's the first step, right? You start noticing when your mind drifts. And when you you start on this process, you realize, oh my God, my mind drifts nonstop. And it can be kind of a frustrating experience at first, bringing yourself back over and over and over and over. But then you kind of create these tools, whether it's your breath, whether it's your senses that bring you back to the moment. And then you're living in the moment more than that 10%. And then you kind of feel like, for me anyway, you are going to wake up more to your life. You're in conversations where you're not actually thinking about what you're gonna say. You're not thinking about a million things. You're just present with that human being. Or when you're going for a walk, you notice the beauty around you. And um, it's really one of the most fulfilling things, but you, you have to work for it. So back to stress. Obviously, it was a survival method. You know, it's built into our system so we can survive. But I don't know about any of you, but I'm not personally running away and fighting any tigers as of late. I think that's what people call a dad joke. Just be prepared. I have a lot of those. But stress still exists in our lives, it's just different uh, for all of us. Some of it is getting food on the table, a roof over our head. Sometimes it's being stuck in traffic. Sometimes it's reaching that deadline for work. Whatever it is, we all have stressors in our life. Now, if you get the opportunity, my mind was totally blown when I watched this one TED Talk by Kelly McGonigal, and she talks about making stress your friend. So as I discussed, you have a physiological response to stress but believing that stress is good for you or believing that stress is bad for you, your body actually has different physiological responses. This was absolutely crazy. There's this massive study and she goes into the whole thing during her TED talk, but they basically followed 30,000 Americans over eight years. And what it comes down to is the people that believed the stress wasn't harmful. It was actually good for them and important in their lives lived longer. The other, the people who believed that stress was bad, a lot more of them had a higher risk of death and a lot more of them died. This is real. This is real stuff. They compared the two groups, those who believed stress is good for them, those who didn't believe stress was good for them. The physiological response for those who believed it was good was their blood vessels stayed Larger, They weren't as constricted, whereas the opposite happened for those who believe stress is bad for them. Their blood vessels would constrict, limiting blood flow, and of course, they would have uh, various health effects because of it. And that is just from the belief alone. Now, stress and anxiety show up in different ways for everybody. And I think for me, I, I always talk about my experience in 2008, the Olympics, when I tore my ACL. And... I was having a miserable, miserable time. And for me, every game day, still to this day, I, I get nerves, like a really nervous belly the moment I wake up. And for me, it's exactly the same thing, right? I was nervous and I interpreted it as I wasn't ready. Um, I didn't know if I was good enough. I kind of felt like I was an imposter. And of course, That's what I believed. And I had a physiological response that wasn't working for me. Then after that 2008 experience, I started to realize that, okay, maybe this stress response that I was having to a game was actually trying to help me put me in a position where I was going to have a really great game. So I still get really nervous every single game day, but now when the nerves hit me, I think, okay, I'm just getting ready for the game. I really fundamentally, I believe that to my core. And, you know, spoiler alert, it doesn't mean that my nerves go away. It doesn't mean I'm like, ah, sitting easy and um, everything's fine because I know it's my body getting prepared. But there is a little bit of ease mentally. I know that my body just needs to go through this process. I can be a little bit more patient with it. And then during the game, I have my breathing tools. So I'm breathing in for three seconds and I'm breathing out for four seconds. And I learned this actually through Dr. Kerry Evans. He worked with the New Zealand Blacks. He's an incredible, incredible sports psych. And, you know, that was his tip. The huge tip that he gave me was breathing out with a longer out breath helps to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, where we make our decisions. We're calmer. We can see things more clearly. And it was just so simple. And the counting the in-breath, one, two, three, and counting the out-breath, one, two, three, four, got me out of being inside of my head. So this is the number one tool that I go to when I'm super nervous and stressed when it comes to game day, and I breathe through it. Now, I get anxiety, I feel it in my body, in my neck. Uh, I highly recommend doing body scans it's basically a, a mindfulness practice where you kind of lay in a position and you, you scan through your body all the way up to your head, all the way down to your feet. And if you can put yourself in a situation where you imagine yourself in a game or whatever makes you nervous and feel the physiological effects of that. And then on the other hand, what makes you really excited and feel the physiological effects of that? Cause our bodies are, absolutely incredible. The amount of information our bodies process is way faster, way faster than our brains. So having an understanding of how your body works is absolutely clutch. So like I said, I have a nervous belly every game day, but I also start getting really stiff in my neck and that's how it shows up for me. And again, like it doesn't go away. I still get the stiffness in my neck, but at least I'm like, okay, I'm getting prepped for the game. So that is really important, understanding that your relationship with your stress, however it shows up for you, really matters. Seeing it as a good thing, always giving yourself the benefit of the doubt that your body is just doing everything it can to help you succeed. And then of course, stress is a huge part of the history of mindfulness. John Kabat-Zinn is like the founding father of mindfulness in the West anyway he saw this zen missionary talk to his his class i guess at MIT years and years ago and talking about you know buddhist meditation and he saw a lot of buddhist teachers and and really studied it like crazy and and just fell in love with this concept of meditation but in order for Um, you know, in his mind, the the West to really embrace it. He had to to remove a lot of like the Buddhism part of it, uh, the religious part of it. And he just wanted to come from more of a, a scientific angle. So in 1979, he founded the Stress Reduction Clinic at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And this guy actually started this like in the basement of this medical school, having people come in and work on being present, their breath, being in the moment, and the effects were unbelievable. He also, from this experience, created what is commonly known now as the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Course, which is about an eight-week program, and it really gives you the ins and outs of mindfulness. And I've taken it, and trust me, at the end of like the second week, you already can feel the difference. And the cool thing about mindfulness, they've done a lot of studies, and after just eight weeks, your brain actually starts changing shape from practicing mindfulness. Now, if any of you are emotional beings, I'm one of them. I become very, very emotional. And the problem with being emotional is it often floods our amygdala. That's where we make some of our decisions. If you're super emotional, then it's pretty hard to make clear, concise decisions coming from a place that you wanna be coming from, right? So that's the beauty of mindfulness, whether it's your breathing tools or some people, um, you know, it's a touch thing. It's any of their senses. They take a moment to calm down, to make sure that they're in control, not their emotions are in control. That's one of the beautiful things of mindfulness, but also objectivity. I think of of course it's natural for all of us to see the world through our own lens But when we take that pause, when we take that moment, it enables us to kind of see the situation as it is. And to be able to see a situation from various points of views is really important because it builds empathy. I mean, I can't count the number of times where I've been really emotional and a situation happened, and I have literally interpreted it into meaning so many different things. You know, like if you've ever been in a rainy day and you're like, oh, this day is going to be horrible and I'm going to be late for work and this and that. And you kind of like build this story in your mind when it's like, oh, it's just it's just actually raining. You know what I mean? Or if you see someone that you like that you have a big crush on and you kind of give them the eyes and they walk right by you and, and you're like, oh my gosh, they hate me or they didn't see me or they don't like me. And we, again, we make this story. Our brains are little meaning makers, aren't they? And really all it could be is just That person's maybe having a bad day or they're in their head about something. So that's another perk of mindfulness. Again, um, you're going to hear me chat about mindfulness all the time, but along the lines of building empathy and seeing things from other people's perspectives. Very soon, we're going to have a guest on who is absolutely legendary, and we're going to talk a little bit about white privilege and how as a white person I am learning more and more about systemic racism and a lot of things around me that I've kind of been blind to up until recently so join me on the next episode we'll dive deeper into that but before we do I want to end with applying uh, the last two episodes uh, when it comes to mindfulness applying some of the things you may have learned so we've talked about noting with Rachel, with Dr. Rachel Lindval, And I just want us to quickly go over a simple practice. So wherever you are right now, you could be sitting in your car, sitting at home. All I want you to do is take a deep breath in for three seconds, and then exhale for four seconds. We're gonna do that two more times, breathe in for three seconds, And exhale for four. And again, in for three seconds. And out for four. Just notice how you feel after three nice, intentional, long breaths. Next, I want you to try and notice the temperature. Are you warm? Are you cold? Are Kind of like mama bear, just right? Next, I'm going to ask you to open your peripheral as you expand your vision. So if you're looking straight ahead, keep looking straight ahead but try to see as much as you can, if that's the ceiling or the sky and the ground beneath you, side to side. Opening your vision really helps to calm you down. So as much as you can, take as much as your surroundings in while maintaining that forward gaze. Now I want you to bring attention to your nose. See if you can smell anything, whether you're in your car or outside. Is there a breeze? Okay, and we're gonna finish just for 20 seconds just want you to breathe in a natural way. And we're just going to go a little bit silent here. And all I want you to try and do is notice if your mind drifts. And if it does drift, don't be hard on yourself. It will inevitably drift. Just try and bring it back to your natural breathing. Okay. So we're going to start right now. awesome work today. That is your first mindfulness practice. Again, join me next time. We're going to sit down with an incredible guest and talk a little bit about how to be anti-racist. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Three Sides with Erin McLeod. If you are interested in hearing about a certain topic, let me know. You can email me directly at themotivenation1 at gmail.com, or my Mindful Project email, erin at themindfulproject.us. Thank you for your presence and for listening. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them.